We are on Ksubis Nun Aleph Amabez 51b, towards uh, the middle of the Gemara. Uh, the Gemara continues in its discussion of the Mishnah. Uh, and the Mishnah mentioned that uh, when a uh, husband, when they bow, the husband frees his wife who's taken into captivity, so then if uh, she is the wife of a Kohen, if the husband is a Kohen, so then in the Ksuba it's written that he has an obligation to free her, even though they cannot stay married. Uh, she has to go home. Why? Uh, because for the wife of a Kohen, we are concerned that the captors raped her, and if she was raped, so then she's not allowed to stay married to her husband who is a Kohen. However, if her husband is a Yisrael, a non-Kohen, so then they are allowed to stay married. And so when they when he redeems her, so then uh, they are allowed to stay married. In fact, according to some opinions, they have to stay married for some time to make sure that uh, there are no rumors going around about the fact that let's say let's say he frees her and then they immediately get divorced. He divorces his wife, so then there's concerns that maybe people will start talking and making up rumors that you know maybe the reason why he's divorcing her is because she willingly committed adultery while she was in captivity and therefore they had to get divorced and so to prevent to prevent these rumors from occurring we say that they have to stay married for some time they're not in fact allowed to get divorced uh, for some amount of time the Gemara now will have a very interesting discussion about whether or not this is really true the assumption that we've had in the Gemara in our Mishnah and in fact in many Gemaras until now, that we've been that this has been the uh, underlying principle that we've had uh, for quite a while, which will be questioned right now, is that if there is a wife who is married to a Yisrael, is married to somebody who is not a Kohen, then we are not concerned that if she was taken into captivity, that she committed uh, that she committed adultery uh, willingly, or the fact, let's say she's raped, we are not concerned that maybe she also. Uh, had had intention to to desire this to, to want this even though she never initiated uh, the assumption is is that this was a rape that she never wanted and so therefore uh, she's allowed to stay married to her husband assuming her husband is not a Kohen now the Gemara is about to question uh, this position and we'll, we will see that there, was, there are those that argue we do not follow those opinions but there are those who argue so Amar Avodi Shmuel, the father of Shmuel, has the following statement: uh, The father of Shmuel says that the wife of a Yisrael of a non-Kohen who is raped, God forbid, who is raped, uh, so then she is forbidden to stay married to her husband. Why is she forbidden to stay married to her husband? If it was a rape, so then she should be able to stay married. No, because even though in the beginning we're concerned that even though at the beginning it was forced upon her, in the end she really wants it, that she desires this, uh, that maybe she, she really desires this. Um, many of the commentators ask, what's exactly going Why she? How could it be that she desires this? How could it be? Don't we have a concept that that uh, women have a chesed kashras? We don't know for sure. We don't know what happened. Uh, why should we assume that she desired this? Maybe... Uh, we should assume people want to do the right thing. They have a chesed kashras. They people want to do. We assume that people do the right thing. Uh, so, so there are some opinions that want to explain. Not everybody, but some opinions want to explain that it's true. People in general they want to do the right thing, but it's sort of forced upon them. This is the natural progression of things, and it's forced upon them. Of course, they never wanted this act to begin with. 
God forbid should this have to happen to anybody. Chas v'shalom, God forbid. This should never happen to anybody. But once this takes place, so then it's sort of uh, how, I don't know what, what's accurate and what's not accurate uh, medically, uh, but uh, some psychiatrists have explained to me that it just automatically causes some pleasure even though it's forced upon them and it's rape. And so therefore there's a, a bit of a desire there. And so therefore... Perhaps that would be uh, be enough to say that it's forbidden to her husband, and that is the position of the father of Shmuel. Rav Rav, who, who uh, we'll see, Rav asks the following question of the father of Shmuel, and others also. Rava argue with Shmuel, the father of Shmuel, and they say, Rav asks, I don't understand. What about our Mishnah? Into our Mishnah is a problem because our Mishnah says that if she's taken into captivity, so then. Uh, once she's freed, so then she's allowed to stay married. Why is it that she's allowed to marry, stay, stay married? We should be concerned for rape. And if there's rape, so then we have to be concerned. We have to be suspicious that she wanted this. And so therefore she's not allowed to stay married to her husband, even if her husband's a Yisrael. So Shmuel, the father of Shmuel Ishtik, he kept quiet. And then Kari Rav Rav said about uh, the father of Shmuel, he said, that the princes refrained from talking and they lay a hand upon their mouths. That uh, basically, it's trying to say that Shmuel really, uh, the father of Shmuel really had an answer. There's an answer to this question. Our Mishnah's case is different than uh, than what the father of Shmuel was talking about. Uh, but he just he decided to keep quiet. Right? He had the midah, he had the character trait of keeping quiet, even though he had an answer. He thought out of humility, perhaps he should keep quiet. What was his answer? My Bishvuya Hikilu. What's the difference between our Mishnah and the father of Shmuel's case? In our Mishnah, we don't know if she was actually raped or not. The whole thing is a question to begin with. We don't know if she was raped. So for a Kohen, the wife of Kohen, we are concerned that maybe she was raped. But are we going to go so far as to say, number one, that maybe she was raped. Number two, that even if she was raped, maybe along the way she, she uh, wanted this, she desired this. We would never say such a thing. So our Mishnah told me in a case where we don't even know if it was a rape to, get, to begin with. We won't say that the wife of, a, of Yisrael, of a non-Kohen, Cannot stay married. That we won't go so far as to say that. But, but in a case where we know that she was raped, when we show, we know that she was raped, so then the father of Shmuel is of the opinion that yeah, that there's concern that maybe along the way that she had some pleasure out of this, that she desired this uh, along the way, and that should be a concern of ours. So the Gemara now comments, continues to comment on this, and says, I don't understand. I don't understand. The Torah tells us. The Torah says explicitly. The Torah tells us that if it's the wife of a Kohen, so then they cannot stay married. But if it's the wife of a Yisrael, if she was raped, so then they can stay married. So what's the case where they could stay married? Every case we should be concerned that maybe she wants it and she desires it in the end. Obviously, she doesn't want it in the beginning and she, she has no desire, absolutely no desire for this. But along the way, maybe she had some sort of desire for this. So what's the case of our of the Torah, which says that it's uh, that they're allowed to stay married if it's a case of a rape? So the Gemara answer is no. According to the father of Shmuel, it's one case. The Torah is only talking about one case. What's that case? It's talking about a case where she's screaming from beginning till end. We have witnesses who hear her screaming from the beginning till the end. So in such a case, we could uh, we could say that uh, we could clearly say that she never had any pleasure from this. But if it's, uh, we're talking about a case where she stopped screaming, the case of the father of Shmuel is where she stopped screaming, so then we have to be concerned, says the father of Shmuel, that maybe at some point in time she desired this. 
Now this goes against the way we follow, this goes against the way we've been assuming uh, throughout Ksubis, throughout Yevamos, uh, this goes against the way we understand it, because we follow the next position, we follow the position of Rava who argues on the father of Shmuel. The Amar Rava called Shetzkilasa ba'ones v'sof beratzon afilu he omeres inichuli shilimali nizakigla he sochartum muteres my timer yitzra albisha. Rava says that no, we assume any time in the beginning if it was ones it was a rape, even if in the end she desires it, she desires it to the point where she says I want to be with him, I want to be with him, even if she says that. She's still allowed to stay married to her husband. You know why? Because Yetzir Albasha. There's a principle of Yetzir Albasha. What does Yetzir Albasha mean? What is this principle? It means that the sort of different ways of explaining it, but the Yetzir Hara, the evil inclination, sort of takes over, and it's as if there's no free will involved. It's a, it's, it's a continuation of the ones, of the fact that she was raped, that it was under duress, and even though it's, at some point in time she desires it, but uh, the whole context is when she's under duress, she doesn't have an opportunity, she doesn't really have the free will to change, potentially, or the whole context is defined as something which is under duress, and so therefore, she's allowed to stay married to her husband who is a Yisrael. We don't view this as uh, committing adultery willingly. The whole context is a context where it's under duress. Now, how far do you take this concept of Yitzhah Abisha? Maybe one could always claim, ah, oh, the reason why I sinned was because the evil inclination took over me and I had no I had no choice. Every case, I had no choice. Can, it, can one make such a claim? It's difficult to say that one can make such a claim. Nearly impossible. Uh, everybody has free choice. But in this case, in this scenario where the beginning was under duress, so we can say, you know what, the, the whole thing, even though at some point in time she wanted it willingly and she wanted to, uh, to be with him, but that too was sort of uh, forced upon her. That was forced upon her. We will now have a few brises that expound upon the verse that discusses the situation of ones, of rape and versus done willingly. Uh, and we'll, the first brisa is in support of Rava, of this uh, position that argues on the father of Shmuel, the position that we generally know about and we follow, um, that says that it's viewed as a complete uh, ones, as a complete under duress, and she's allowed to stay married. What, what, what does the Brisa say? Um, the Brisa says, Vihilo nitpisa asura. The verse says, um, that uh, if she was not taken forcibly, if she was not raped, she's forbidden to her husband, asura. Hanitpisa, but if she was raped, muteres. So then, the implication is that she's allowed to stay married to her husband. Now we expound upon this and we say, muteres. That even though she was not uh, completely raped, because at the end she had some sort of desire, that there's another case where she's allowed to stay married to her husband, where at the beginning it was a, a rape, but in the end, even though she had some desire for this, she wanted this in the end, we still view that as uh, as rape, and she's allowed to stay married to her husband. That is the first brysa. Another brisa, Tani idach vehilo nitbasa asura. When she is not forced and she does it willingly, she's not allowed to stay married to her husband. It's adultery. She can't stay married to her husband. But if she's forced and it's rape, so then she could stay married to her husband. Now it says, There's another case where, not where it's allowed anymore, but where if it's a case of a rape where there's another case, there's a case of rape where she's not allowed to stay married. 
Oh, even in the case of rape, Ezuzu Ishis Kohen. That's the wife of a Kohen. That's the halacha that we always uh, know about, that the wife of a Kohen uh, is not allowed to stay married if she was raped. Okay. One last drasha. So again, the first drasha, the first way we expounded upon the verse was to say that in a case where it was rape initially, and though, even though in the process uh, she did uh, have some desire for it. Um, uh, so in that case, we say that she's st- allowed to stay married to her husband. The second, Bryce expounded upon the verse and said that if it was a rape, so then she cannot stay married if her husband is a Kohen. And now we have Amr Vida Amr Shmuel, Mishum Rabbi Shmuel. We have the following statement in the name of Rabbi Shmuel. If it's willingly, she's forbidden to her husband. If it's a rape, God forbid, so then she's mutter, she's allowed to stay married to her husband. It's another case where if she she willingly uh, has has uh, uh, adultery, she's allowed to stay married to her original husband. What is this? The Ezu Basically, if she gets married, but there's or she gets halachically engaged, but there was something wrong with that engagement. Halachically, it didn't uh, it wasn't uh, halachically correct. So it's as if they weren't engaged. Even though she thought she was engaged, but it's as if they weren't engaged. If she then commits adultery, that's not adultery. Because in the end of the day, she wasn't married. She wasn't halakhically engaged. So even though she thought she was committing adultery, she's allowed to return and get married to the original guy because uh, she was never uh, she was never engaged at the time that she uh, she was with somebody else. Okay, that's the end of that part of the Gemara. So again, just to review this Gemara, and then we have a few more lines in the Gemara ahead. Uh, the Gemara said that we have brought this down the, the opinion of the father of Shmuel who had this opinion that any uh, woman who is raped she cannot stay married to her husband even if her husband is a Yisrael is a non-Kohen because there's concern that along the process she has a desire for it and we quoted a few, few sources including Rava and uh, uh, and Abraisa that says that no that uh, she is allowed to stay married to her husband and then that's not a problem then we have a few Abraises which quoted different scenarios of a rape or uh, our case where it was done willingly in the end. Uh, so what would be the law with regards to that? The Gemara now says, Amar of Yehuda, Yehuda says, Hani nashi de ganvi ganvi. If there are certain women who are stolen by kidnappers, they were kidnapped, sharin the govrai, we say that they're allowed to stay married to their husbands. Even though they were raped, even though we were concerned that they had relationships, they had uh, sexual relations with their captors, it's viewed as rape, so they're allowed to stay married to their husbands. I don't understand. We see that these these women they're giving bread to their to those who were taken them into who kidnapped them. So how could they give bread? It doesn't that imply that they're doing this willingly? The answer is no. It's out of fear. Um, but uh, they also they give them um, they give them they send them arrows to to use as weapons. So the Gemara answers, no, also Mahmoud Zira. Uh, but it's also out of fear. It's not because they're doing it because they desire it, they're doing it out of fear. But the Gemara concludes with saying, Vada Shafkina Asiran. If they if they are able to go free and then they return back to their captors, so then certainly that's going on their own. That's willingly, and then they are not allowed to stay married to their husbands. However, if it's these other scenarios where they're still continuing to give them food and the like so then that's not uh, done willingly, that's really all out of fear, which has a practical relevance to today. We could have certain cases where, uh, God forbid, a woman is raped, and then the, they text, and they brought to the court the texts uh, 
and it makes it sound as though it's mutual, but it's not really mutual. Maybe the, the texts and the conversations are really out of fear, out of fear. So, so maybe we could use our Gemara to use that uh, for, for modern day questions as well. And it should never happen. Tanu Rabbanan, we have the following Brisa. If women are captured by the king uh, for the purpose of having sexual relations, so then it's, uh, it's viewed as rape. And uh, they're, they're like captives and they're allowed to stay married to their husbands. But if it's Gnuve Listos, in Kishvuyan. However, if they're stolen by bandits, uh, there's concern that it was done con- by consent um, because they think, these women think also that they're going to end up staying married to these bandits. Um, and, and so therefore, there's concern that uh, they're doing this willingly. The Gemara says, I don't understand, but we have the Brisa that says the exact opposite. There's a Brisa that says the exact opposite, that says that if they're taken by the king, so then there's concern that they're going to want to stay married to the king, and therefore they're not allowed to stay married to their, their uh, they're forbidden to their husbands, but if it's by a bandit, so then uh, that's rape, and they could stay married to their husbands. So what's going on here? How do we explain this contradiction? We have to explain both with regards to kings and with regards to these bandits. So the Gemara explains as follows, Malchus ha-Malchus lo-Kasha, ha-Ba-Malchus ben-Netzar. When it comes to the, the king, we have to know which king we're talking about. If we're talking about somebody like Achashverosh, a very powerful king, so then the, the woman knows that uh, there's no chance of mar- getting married to him. He's a very powerful king. They, they're just together out of his own lust and desires. So then that's rape. That uh, She has no intention of marrying him. But if we're dealing with Benetzar, somebody who established himself for a minor kingdom, he did it sort of through robbery, small-scale things, uh, so then maybe that's, that's somebody who she has the possibility in her mind of, of staying married to, and then there's concern that she's doing it willingly. Similarly, listos alistos lokasha. When it comes to bandits, there's a difference between different types of bandits. Just like when it comes to the king, it's only if somebody, it's, uh, it's possible, it's plausible that they, she would get married to him. That's when there's a concern, but if it's not even an option, it's not an option at all. So too when it comes to bandits. Ha ben meitzar, ha dalma. What type of bandit are we talking about? If it's ben meitzar, somebody who's a bandit but has sort of advanced in his <coughs> career as a bandit and uh, he has a whole following and so therefore it's viewed as respectful to be married to him in some ironic way. So then there's concern that the uh, this woman uh, wants to stay married to him. But if we're just talking about random bandits, uh, lower life bandits, uh, so then she has no desire to stay married to him. So the Gemara just wants to know, Ben Etzar, this person Ben Etzar, Sometimes we refer to him as a king. Sometimes we refer to him as a bandit. The answer is, yeah, it depends who we're comparing it to. In. In comparison to Achashverosh, he's a bandit. In comparison to the bandits, he's a king. Uh, he's somebody who's sort of in between. He's, uh, he's sort of leading a group of thugs. He's, he's the leader amongst these groups, these groups of bandits. Um, so then he's, uh, he's higher than the other bandits, but he's lower than a king like Achashverosh. At the end of the day, the concern that maybe she's committing adultery so that she stays married to him only exists if it's somebody a bit more respectful, uh, at least in their world, more respectful, um, but not somebody who's out of her league. And so then there will be a concern, uh, says the Gemara. Okay, this concludes this topic. We're at the bottom of the Nile from the Bays. This concludes this topic about whether or not we're concerned that uh, a rape will turn into being something which is done willingly. And the way we follow in the end of the day is that we, we do not have that concern. We are not uh, concerned for that. If that does happen, so then it's Yetra Abishat, the, it's under duress. Um, 
her desire for it is from the context of something which is under duress, and so therefore she's allowed to stay married to her husband if her husband is a Yisrael, a non-Kohen.